As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Listener, before we talk Football League, we need to talk about your football needs. What needs, you say? Well, you need to read The Athletic, of course, as it has all your football needs. Right now, you can get your mitts on a fantastic deal. £3.99 a month for the next six months of The Athletic by heading to theathletic.com slash league show. But I'm an EFL fan. What's in it for me? I hear you say. Well, there's Ryan Conway's outpourings of despair at Derby County, Nancy Frostick's frustrations at Sheffield Wednesday, Paul Taylor on Forrest's shed load of players, and quite the story of Steve Cottrell's recovery from COVID. And best of all, there's this podcast and many others ad-free. So head over to theathletic.com slash league show to sign up today. The championship survival fight goes to the last day as Lewis wings it and Derby lose it. Fergie's fourth time's a charm for promoted posh, but it's commiserations to Rochdale and Northampton. Farewell to Southend. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Bauer. Welcome in then, listener, to our roundup of all things EFL, and there's plenty to discuss as we reach the end of the season known as business. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, joined this week by a man who bagged a hat-trick at the county ground on Sunday. Can it be true, Sam Parkin? Tell us all about it. It was only two, mate, and a, and a penalty in the, the longest penalty shootout of all time. But Oh, uh, the way you phrased it on the group chat, you said you got two and well, a penalty. Yeah, you yeah, didn't uh, stipulate it was a shootout. So Artistic um, licence. Did you really uh, get 100 EFL career league goals or have you padded those out as well? No, no, yeah, 100. I think 100 before <laughs> I was 24, to, to be honest. So it went uh, downhill rather quickly after that. But um, no, it was great. It's always nice to be at Swindon. Um, yeah, I'd pretty much, you know, within reason, do anything for that. That club uh, like to go down there and do stuff in the community. Still, it was for Alan McLaughlin, who's obviously not been very well. Um, so we're thinking of him. We raised a lot of money for the um, Prospect Hospice in Swindon, and great to see some old mates, some old teammates, and um, some of them very much still got it. Brian Howard, uh, glorious. Richie Wellens, recent Swindon manager, still incredible. So. Really good fun. Happy to get a couple of goals. Not so happy to have what feels like whiplash today. Talk us through the goals. A few of my old mates were like asking me if I still had the the chop, so the uh, the faint from one foot to the other. So I did that multiple times to probably a supporter who never played football before in his life, <laughs> and then uh, ended up sticking one past Phil Smith, 
who's quite a good goalkeeper. And then the second one was at the other end of town and just a little curler. So, um, yeah, the uh, the pressure was off once I got one because I, I barely touched it after that. But, yeah, not feeling good today. <laughs> uh, so Sam's here. We're also pleased to welcome back former late Orient gaffer Ross Embleton for his sophomore appearance on the show. Rossi, are you having that? Do you think that's how events unfolded at the county ground on Sunday <laughs> or is Sam embellishing? Hey, Ross saw me t- 12 times for late in Orient. So, uh, <laughs> just, uh, you st- you've stolen my thunder, Sam. Uh, <laughs> I know what your, um, what your reputation is like at, uh, at Swindon. So from that end, yes. Uh, from his late in Orient end, maybe might not have quite got the two goals that, uh, that he got yesterday. <laughs> I always say that that that, that turned on a uh, a goal I scored that was disallowed at Crew away. We won two 0 but one of the uh, idiotic centre halves was holding someone at the near post. So I wheeled away. Right, the monkey's off my back. Only to see the referee's assistant flagging disallowed, and I never recovered from that moment on. No, Big moments, Sam. The pivotal yeah. moments. Hey, fine lines. <laughs> They still talk about it now in Sam's house. Uh, also with us, still basking in the glow of promotion achieved by her beloved Watford from the BBC, PLP and WFC. It's the one and only Kelly Summers. Kelly, what were you worried about? It was easy. Easy? Try telling the Watford players it was easy to get promoted and been relegated <laughs> last year. But yes, I think um, Sam was at the Brentford game at the weekend and I'm glad that it was done before then because although we made changes, I think uh, had it gone down to these final couple of games, it wouldn't have been so easy. But it's done. We're going to be back in the Premier League next year, but I'll still be on here and I'll still be mentioning them. Don't worry. Good. Right, loads to get through today, so let's get cracking. To the Championship. Championship headlines, Norwich seal their second title in three seasons after beating Reading 4-1 as second place Watford lose to Brentford. The real drama though at the bottom where Derby slipped to a 2-1 defeat at Swansea to mean their battle for survival will go to the final day along with the rest of the bottom four after Sheffield Wednesday drew with Forrest, Rotherham did likewise with Blackburn and Wickham beat Bournemouth. Uh, elsewhere, Nigel Pearson signed a three-year deal as Bristol City boss and promptly celebrated by getting gubbed at Millwall. And congrats to Emmy Buendia and Michael Elise, who won the Championship Player and Young Player of the Year awards announced last week. Now, with the title won and the playoff places sewn up, all that remains to be decided in the regular season of the Championship is who's going down. There were twists and turns aplenty in the battle for survival on Saturday. Graben against Westwood. And it's saved! Kieran Westwood keeps Sheffield Wednesday alive. It's Lewis Wing. It's brilliant from Lewis Wing! He has breathed more life into Rotherham United's survival fight. So Lawrence waiting in the middle and got to it! Derby County can decide their destiny! And the header is sent goalwards and Calarose tried to keep it out. But the goal has been given. And it's Morgan Whitaker, of course! written in the stars a son of Derby he may just have plunged his home city into darkness so after those games despite beating Bournemouth Wickham are all but down due to their inferior goal difference Chef Wed second bottom on goal difference they have 40 points as do Rotherham whose game in hand is at Luton on Tuesday win that and the Millers will start the final day outside of the drop zone Derby have 43 points, but their goal difference is inferior by six 
to Rotherham. Remember, it's Derby versus Sheffield Wednesday at the surely soon to be renamed Pride Park this coming weekend. Uh, Derby then will start with the hapless Rams who took the lead at the Liberty Stadium only to give Swansea a route back into the game and then allow the host to win it. Let's get a word from our friend and Derby correspondent for the Athletic, Ryan Conway, who joins us now. Uh, Ryan, six defeats in a row for the Rams. Not so pretty in pink on Saturday. We are not friends, Matt Davis. Adam, <laughs> don't don't lie to the people listening to this. We are not friends, listener. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's looking. It's all looking rather bleak, isn't it? Um, the the game against Swansea was. I mean, it, it. I feel like they've played the same kind of football match for the last sort of at least month now. Where you know they were really really good coming out of the second half, um, getting the goal, and looked like they could have got the second. First half was really poor game. And then they they concede the first and they just kind of fall to pieces. They they get rocked really easily. And then within two minutes, they, they concede the, the second. And they're such bad goals to concede as well. It's not like Swansea had to work really, really hard to, to score these goals. They, you know, Derby not picking up at set pieces, a theme of the last six weeks or so. And then the winner is just Tom Lawrence is about 10 yards off his man, you know, who's, who's up the wing and... <laughs> desperately tries to get back in position and it's just lashed uh, past, past Kelarus because, yeah, that's kind of how it is right now. So you mentioned they're not picking up people at set pieces, players not marking tightly. Does that fall under the, the manager's remit or, or is that the players not following his instructions on the field, do you think? I mean, it's always a bit of column A, a bit of column B, isn't it? Um, you can you can coach the 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 set pieces and who's picking up who and what if you're going man to man or zonal or marking but I mean if, if your players aren't switched on I mean these are so these are so basic the 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 Birmingham equalizer um Yukovic just wanders right in front of Graham Shinney and Lee Buchanan like right in between them like the space is there like why why have you just let him go right past your face and into this space it's it's just so so basic Yukovic is winner you know like there there's three on three here so why why is one of you not wrapping round to go to the back post? It, it's just so basic. Like I'm an idiot, and I saw this stuff. It's so basic. Uh, Ryan, uh, apologies if this is uh, an impossible question to, to answer. I've just thought of it now. Who's the biggest loss this season? Who has been the biggest loss? Rooney, the player, Bielik, or Curtis Davis? Given what you've just said about set pieces, and had they had those three fit, where would they be in the table? Um, it's not Rooney the player. Let's just get that out there right away. He was part of the problem. He was a massive, massive part of the problem. I know it, it, it's it's Wayne Rooney and he's this, that. He, he was, as a player, he was actively holding this team back at times, in my opinion, um, because he just didn't really have the legs to get around the pitch anymore. Curtis Davis is a massive loss in terms of their defensive organisation and communication and the fact they would just take a whack in the face with a... With with a boot, yeah. um, but but I truly I truly believe Christian Bielik is is the X factor that that they're missing right now. He, he was he was so good in the in the middle of of the park there. And whether you believe Derby should have spent the eight to ten million on him or, or not, and use that money to retool multiple parts of the squad, but with him in there, he is so so good. I mean, his his first instinct is to always play forwards. He can read you know read runs really well and the ball's out and it's on time and it where it's where it needs to be and defensively he's really switched on you know he can block passing lanes really really well um, and make thing make life really tough for the opposition um, midfield players without a doubt if they if they had him fit Derby is safe right now without a doubt 
Last question then, Ryan. It's the big one. You've got to put your neck on the line. I know it's tricky before this Rotherham game on Tuesday. Are Derby getting relegated or are they going to beat the drop? When does this go out? I honestly have no idea. Um, I always, I always said they would be safe. I, I believe that the, the group, like of Wednesday, Rotherham and Derby, I always believed that just on talent alone, Derby probably had the 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 best squad. Um, but when that squad just consistently doesn't turn up or switch on at key moments, then it's 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 really hard. Um, yeah, I'm gonna say they stay up. They're they're the team I cover. I'm not gonna say they're go they're going down. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna stay up. I don't know how, but they're they're gonna they're gonna stay up. All right. Um, Ryan, thanks so much for joining us and being a good sport. And hey, listen, have a nice time in crew next season, won't you? You suck. (laughs) Ryan Conway from The Athletic there. Well, Derby's latest piece of buffoonery handed yet another lifeline to Rotherham and they took it, sort of. Lewis Wing's stunning free kick, snatching a point against Blackburn after some great saves from Miller's custodian, Jamal Blackman. Um, Ross, given their their recent form, Rotherham did well to to come from behind and and get something here, particularly given the nature of the goal that they conceded. That that could have been a big setback. Yeah, definitely. I think that's going to be... um... Well, obviously, any run of form obviously takes you into these pivotal moments in the season when you um, when you're looking to try to get something that's, that's so important at the back end of it. So I think that late goal could be uh, an incredible boost. Obviously, going into to Tuesday for them, but but the last couple of games to see if they can can come out the other side with the uh, with the result that they want. And I think it sort of epitomises what what Paul Warren's about with his team. He's always honest. He's always straight there. Very uh, hard-working team, and they? and they've kept themselves alive in in that sort of fashion as they go into those last couple of couple of games. Yeah, Warren said it was a solar plexus punch, the Blackburn goal. Kelly, it's kind of awkward for us to to talk about it before the game on Tuesday night. We're recording on Monday, but they've kept it in their own hands, and for for the last couple of months, certainly, that's not looked like it was going to be the case. Yeah, and I thought this was pretty impressive because I think Tony Mowbray said at half time. He was. He thought they should have been out of sight at that point. I thought Blackman made some brilliant saves, particularly from Armstrong and Johnson. It was quite an open game, though. Rotherham did have chances. They even had a chance at the end to win it, didn't they? George Hurst, who came on, that would have been a remarkable story. I thought at times they looked quite tired. I think it's their 10th game in 29 days. So you could have kind of forgiven them for looking a bit leggy. But every time they looked tired, they came back and there was still plenty of attacking opportunities for them. So, yeah, I thought they were, they were really impressive and as Ross alluded to there, the spirit and the way Paul Warren's got them set up. It's now in their own hands. What a crucial goal that could be. And it's certainly, I know what I'll be doing tomorrow night and on Saturday, keeping an eye across those games because as neutrals, not as Rotherham, Derby or any of the fans in the bottom three, as neutrals, this is what we wanted, didn't we, to to go down to the final day. So yeah, set up for a grandstand finish. Yeah, it really is. Um, And this after a Derby loss, Rotherham failed to win earlier on Saturday Sheffield Wednesday had the chance to apply pressure on both as they faced two-time European champions Nottingham Forest in a game that could best be described as drab. Uh, Wednesday would have gone down had Derby won it, but as it is, they stay alive for now. Agent Grabham got the memo, even if Chris Hewton didn't pick in a full-strength team uh, for this game. Sam, it's obviously difficult for Wednesday at the moment not not having Darren Moore on hand, but but should we have expected a, a bit more from them here or is that just not in keeping with how they played all season? 
Um, well, they had that 5-0 over Cardiff, a few, which just feels like a dream now, doesn't it? About a month ago. Just not been in keeping with anything they've done this season. Um, seen him in the flesh a few times. And I, I was listening to Clarkie, who was commentating actually um, on the way to Brentford. And he was scathing, to be honest. I was thinking, say what you really mean, Clarkie. He was absolutely <laughs> destroying them. Uh, they sounded like they were inept. Um, complete lack of aggression, intent, you know, for a game that you, you have to win, essentially. And, you know, looking back on the the, the uh, formation and the tactical setup, I think it rung a few surprises for the supporters. You know, Patterson at, at wing-back, Jordan Rhodes not in the side. I think they're a better team. Certainly got a better chance of scoring goals with him in it. So that would be something that I'd be thinking about before that derby game, getting him in tandem maybe with Windus. And getting... Every time I see him, I think Barry Bannon has to play nearer the opposition's goal. He's a brilliant player. Um, and I don't know if it's because... I don't know, like, he's more comfortable playing in a deeper role where he can dictate things. But I just think he's their best player by a mile. Get him nearer the, nearer the opposition's goal and he's got a better chance of sticking it on Rhodes' head or, or finishing one himself. So I'd expect changes because that was, yeah, it was a limp performance given the circumstances. And Ross, limp's kind of a good way to describe them all season. But there are some caveats for Wednesday, aren't they? You know, the, the points deduction obviously is a big thing, but the fact that they brought Darren Moore in and then he spent so much time away from the club for reasons beyond everybody's control, it's made life doubly difficult for them. It's made it incredibly tough. I just What I worried about for, for Wednesday the most after the weekend's game was the manner in which everybody came across or looked. It looked like it was over. I think that was the... the, the, the well, not, not a big concern for me, it's not my concern, but I think in terms of looking at it for Sheffield Wednesday fans and, and the people attached to the clubs, if you look to the body language of the players at the back end of it and when the final whistle went, it looked as if it was defeated. Obviously, they've been for an incredible amount and some of the points that Sam made there about some of the quality and the, and the very, very good players for the level that they've got, it just looked as if, to me, at the back end of the game, that, that, that it, might have been, it might be all over for them. That, that, that's what, what, what concerned me the most. Kelly, you couldn't set this up better, could you? you know, if, you, if you're a TV broadcaster, you're absolutely loving the fact that it's <laughs> Derby versus Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> Wednesday haven't won any of their last 12 visits to Pride Park, stretching back to 2006. You get the feeling it's not going to be a free-flowing, entertaining 4-3 kind of game. No, but neither team know how to hold on to leads, particularly Derby. Every time they go a goal up, it happened when I was actually in the studio on Saturday. I was doing an EFL update for final score. Derby took the lead. And I actually am quite friendly with Leroy Rossini. I work with him at PLP and obviously his son Liam is in the dugout there. So I've kind of, and I shouldn't say this to you, Matt, um, too many Derby voices on this podcast for your liking today <laughs> already. But I've kind of started to have a bit of an affinity for Derby because I see Leroy each week and kind of hear what Liam's going through. I'm sure Ross can kind of, having been in the dugout as well, can understand how tough it must be for any of these managers and coaches in these situations. So... It, when it went to 1-0, I was like, I'm not going to get carried away. And lo and behold, two goals in four minutes in that game turned it on its head. But it's two teams, isn't it? The two teams down there that I take what Ross is saying as well. The Sheffield Wednesday players after it defeated, I think it was Barry Bannon that came out and spoke to Sky. And he was saying the right things, but I don't know if I believed them. So it's two teams that are completely shot on confidence. So I really can't call that one personally. It's going to be so nervy, isn't it? Gosh. Yes, yeah, going to be horrendous. Can't call that a game, but I'm going to force everybody to put their cards on the table now. Sam, I'm going to start with you. Who's going down? We'll, we'll say that Wickham are not going to get this 13-14 goal swing that they need on Saturday. So so two from three, yeah. please. Um, 
Well, I'm going to Kenilworth Road tomorrow. Um, really looking forward to it. I was engulfed in enough loot and relegation battles during my time there. So thankfully, uh, I can breathe a little bit easier. I just think, as honest as Paul Warren was on Saturday after the game, it sounds like there's some tired bodies in that dressing room. And for the pure fact that they're just not scoring goals, I thought that Lewis wing free kick was a bit of a gimme. I'm not a tactical genius when it comes to setting up walls and goalkeepers and such like, but there was a nice little gap that maybe I'd have even found there. Uh, <laughs> and he, he's a brilliant technician wing. So I just think for that reason, the lack of goals, I still think Rotherham needs snookers a little bit. I can't see them getting those two wins. Um, so I will go for them and I'll go for Sheffield Wednesday reluctantly because what a club. Love playing there. How about you, Ross? I think the same. I think what's interesting with that that one game between the, the two big boys is that the expectation is immense from both clubs and, and, and the understanding of where, I suppose, what their ideas would have been at the start of this season in terms of the pressure that they, they're both under as they find themselves going into this last game. But I think I agree with Sam, really. I think there's um, potentially a little bit too much to do on a physical front for, for Rotherham's team. I think the big thing with them as well is that they are based around that hard work, energy, um, the intensity that they try to play at. And I think it might just, as Kelly touched on earlier, it might just catch up with them for the weekend. So I think I'll, um, I too, as much as I don't want it to happen, I think it could potentially be uh, Rotherham and Sheffield Wednesday. The key, the key to that could be Crooks, who's been missing for three games because he will be rested. And you think he'll come back in um, tomorrow night. So he could... He could be the hero if his, uh, his limbs have recovered after what's been such a testing season. Kelly, you blotted your copybook a minute ago with that praise for Derby. <laughs> Are you going to yeah. even things up by sending them down? It's boring when we all agree, isn't it? <laughs> but I'm going to agree with the other guys. I just think Sheffield Wednesday, the body language and everything that Ross said, I completely agree with. Rotherham, the tiredness comes into it. It could, it could, they could be dealt a hammer blow by the time we even get to Saturday. So I think although Derby arguably do not deserve to stay up really in the current form, I think they will just by default because of the other two teams. And interestingly, I heard the other day that it will be the first time in history that both Sheffield clubs will be relegated in the same season. So a really kind of sad state of affairs, especially if Rotherham go down as well. It's not a good time to support a Yorkshire-based team, is it? Yeah, and purely for that reason, I'll be hoping that that Derby go down instead of one of those two. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, let's see if the odds match what our panel think. Producer Abby's here to fill us in on the relegation market per our friends at Paddy Power. How's it looking, Abby? Matt, I've got some bad news for you. I'm afraid that Derby are the third favourites to be relegated, which means that uh, Wickham already down. Sheffield Wednesday, 1-9. to Rotherham, 4-11. to And Derby very much uh, likely to stay up and avoid relegation. They are 6-5 to to be relegated, 8-13 to to avoid relegation. So not, not looking good for you, Matt. Well, we'll see you after Tuesday night at Luton, I suppose. Thanks, Abby. We're off to League One then. Uh, Harry, is there any truth in the rumours that you're off to Spain in the summer? Uh, 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 sorry, me, uh, me no hablo inglés. Uh, what about one of the Manchester clubs? Oh, uh, well, you know, it's... Uh... Well, Harry, what about my source who says you're keen to stay at Spurs? <laughs> uh, can we keep the questions sensible, please? Kane's future at Spurs remains uncertain, but you're guaranteed to get money back as a free bet if one leg of your fourfold acre lets you down. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10, min odds 1 to 5 on each leg. Online exclusive exclude shop bets and enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. 
League One headlines. Hull are champions after beating Wigan 3-1. Peterborough sealed the second automatic promotion place in suitably dramatic fashion after coming from three down at home to Lincoln to draw 3-3. Playoff chases Sunderland, Blackpool, Oxford and Portsmouth all won. Sunderland are now officially there, but Lincoln and Blackpool not quite yet. Northampton and Rochdale both relegated following defeats by Blackpool and Doncaster respectively. Wimbledon and Wigan though are safe. Well done to them. And Steve Cottrell, back at a Shrewsbury game, gets The Athletic to read all about his recovery from COVID. And we've got to start, though, with that unbelievable game at London Road as Project Vengeance was completed by Peterborough, who snatched a point from their game with Lincoln after coming from 3-0 down to draw 3-3. Let's start at the finish. Posh awarded a controversial penalty as the clock ticked over to 96 minutes. Uh, Dean Ashton called it a disgusting dive from Smoddicks for the pen. Kelly, I sort of half wondered if he'd just fallen over and, and then I saw it again. And, and yeah, it was pretty uh, <laughs> gregarious. When you fall over, Matt, do you go down clutching your kind of hip bum area like he did? Um, not every time, but, but <laughs> not never. It's one of those where I was told it was controversial and I saw it. And you, you know, the more you watch it, you want to see the foul. You want to go, oh, I can understand it. But... I guess they don't have VAR as they do in the Premier League. I guess maybe the pressure moment. But yeah, it's um, it's unfortunate, isn't it, that a penalty like that was given and it was such a huge penalty. So I really did feel for Lincoln there. That said, I think they can take lots of positives and it can galvanise them, hopefully going into the playoffs. Um, but yeah, I think what the words that Appleton said were, if I said it was anything less than an absolute disgrace, I wouldn't be doing it justice. The ref must have a Peterborough postcode. I mean, I'm not going to say those words, but you can understand where he's coming from. Yeah, he also said, I'm trying not to get myself into much trouble, you know, and then totally blew that out of the water by saying what you just said. So he is going to get himself in some trouble yet. Um, Ross, Darren Ferguson calls this the, the best promotion yet. They were obviously very aggrieved at the way that the season finished last round. Might not like the way that they, they went about getting the point they needed in this game, but I don't think there's much doubt they've been one of the top two teams in League One this season. No, without doubt. I think they play really good football. Um, it's great to see, the. for me, some of the success stories when they take pleasure. It's to someone like Sammy Smodic that sort of found himself again by by going to Peterborough. So I, I love things like that. I think if you're uh, anybody involved with any football club, other than maybe that being a 4-3 win, you couldn't have written it any, be- written it any better in terms of the way that it came around. I think it also as well, the, the penalty almost, as controversial as it was and, and as upsetting as as upset as the, the Lincoln players and staff must have been, it almost seemed it was like inevitable. that As he went down, the players around it didn't seem to have any sort of complaint. I'm sure they did. But just just when you saw the goal given, he went down and it, it never, ever looked like a penalty. But everybody almost seemed like there was an acceptance of the fact that it started to snowball and look like Peterborough were going to get back in it and get what they needed out of the game. And when the penalty got given, it was almost as if like, all oh, right, this is supposed to happen. So if you're in a Peterborough shirt or fortunate enough to have been around that, what an immense way to uh, to, to gather that promotion. Yeah, it was pretty incredible. Sam, what have they got to do to be competitive in the in the championship next season? They'll need to need to improve in some areas of the squad, surely. Yeah, undoubtedly. I think it's a it's a it's a top League One squad. Um, obviously, they've forever been known for an abundance of goals. Um, they'll have to keep hold of those three. I'd, I'd imagine there'll be speculation about Dembele. Clark Harris has, has come in and and absolutely 
hit the ground running, uh, replacing Ivan Tony. Was there a better player that they could have gone and got? That's just unbelievable uh, business acumen and scouting to replace those goals and, and get 30 in the incredible achievement. Um, I don't think they'd have to do too much. You, I don't know, two or three, just to bolster the squad, probably with championship now, because there'll be, there won't be too many players in that squad off the top of my head that have gotten an abundance of experience. So you'd want some players that have played at that level before, but I wouldn't have too many concerns about them from, um, you know, at least having a, a year of consolidation, maybe it won't be easy, but you know, I think Darren Ferguson's had, so many cracks at it that he should be uh, in good stead really for having another go. And you know, I thought there was a bit of inevitability about it. If they hadn't got the point on Saturday, they certainly would have got it next week, uh, I think. And probably the most exuberant celebrations we've seen, which um, I enjoyed. They went mad when that goal went in and then after the game, they rushed to the supporters and yeah, they, they thoroughly enjoy it. They're, they've been excellent in the last few weeks. Yeah, and as for linking some key players coming back from injury, which will help their playoff campaign, which they are almost sure of. And next to Humberside, where Hull City confirmed themselves as League One title winners by beating Wigan 3-1. This, of course, a championship fixture last season. Get the impression that Wigan won't be too downhearted to still be in League One next term, given how they've gone on. Hull's first title win since 1966. Good news for England fans. That means we're going to win the Euros, uh, presumably. <laughs> Um, Kelly, manager manager of the the champions in any division usually gets manager of the year, but but Grant McCann definitely deserves it given what he's put up with off the pitch at the club that he runs as well over the over the last year or so. It's it's not just what he's done with the team that that's been impressive. Yeah, exactly. There's been so much going on at Hull, hasn't there? Which makes I think any promotion in these weird circumstances that players are having to play in this year is remarkable but this one feels even more remarkable doesn't it and he said all season wait until the end to judge me and I think now is the time to judge him and say well done some of the football that whole play is absolutely remarkable I think it's 80 goals for the campaign the most in English football their front three Wilkes, McGuinness and Potter all in double figures that's the first time at Hull since 2003-2004 I just love watching them to be honest and it was quite a fitting performance really for them to seal the title as well. And I think I think it was at the end of February. Do you remember the 1-0 defeat at home to Ipswich? And I think it was at that point a lot of people were saying, is he the right man for the job? Has he got it within him? And even then he stayed calm and he said, just wait until the end of the season. This isn't going to be terminal. We're going to be fine. And fair play. He's turned it around, it feels, a few times this season as well. Ross, this is me playing devil's advocate a little bit, but... Mike Grant McCann already starting to think about his next move just because he you've got to know when to come and go in management, haven't you? Time is absolutely crucial and his stock's as high as it'll ever be. If he if he goes through the summer and the club are still saying, well, we're not that interested in investing in the playing squad particularly and they start the season badly, don't win any of the first six games, then he's going to be under under pressure again. So it's, as you know well, it's your, your successes are often short-lived in this game. 100% and it's, it sounds harsh and ruthless to be to be having this, this conversation so soon after he's just achieved immense success but I think that's impo- so important it's going to be a tough ask whatever they do however they go about it next year it's going to be really really difficult for them going into the league that they're going into so he's going to have to he's going to have to think about that and, and sometimes you have to jump upon that opportunity to make the most of you know where you are the status that you've that you've uh, you've given yourself with with success to to give yourself the opportunities to to build and go on to 
say bigger and better things, but new opportunities. So I think certainly there there will be an eye on that. I think the other side of it, of course, is the fact that they stuck by him and they've given him the time through a few rocky periods to um, to gather the success and do what they've done. But but for a manager that plays very good football, I remember when he first went was in at Peterborough, his, his team played really good football. And, and as Kelly touched upon there, the amount of goals that they score, the way they go about winning the, the league is all obviously going to appeal to other people. So I think whatever success comes his way, whatever opportunity he does or doesn't take, uh, he's, he's a manager I've got a lot of uh, lot of respect for and I hope that it, it turns out to be a real, even bigger success than, than just winning a league and winning promotion. And I guess, Sam, what, what he might well be doing today, while his hand is at its strongest, is having those conversations at boardroom level about budget for, for next season, whilst it's fresh in everybody's mind what he's achieved. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's been an incredible turnaround uh, this year. I think, you know, the majority of the supporters wanted him wanted him gone. So I think it sounds like a lot of thought went into this season. Um, so, uh, I think he said he was speaking to a psychologist, um, getting himself prepared. I think they went away last summer and tried to recover from what had been just a hellish end to last season. So... It's been an incredible story this year. Um, spoken about a few times in the last few weeks. It's not just about the goals that they plundered at one end. The whole setup has been immaculate from from back to front. You could talk about the fullbacks who have been exceptional, Coyle and Elder, the midfield players. Honeyman's been a revelation. He, you know, even playing in the last few weeks, even playing at the weekend with an ankle injury, I think, which he which means he, he probably shouldn't be taken to the field at all. So collectively been exceptional uh, and Grant McCann has completely showed the the owners that it was right to stick with him so yeah they'll, they'll need to add a few because you know didn't do loads of business last year um, I think the speculation there's been ongoing specula- speculation with clubs interested in Wilkes for example Lewis Potter will be getting loads of admiring glances so he'll have to try and keep them for next season and also bolster the squad but yeah like, like Peterborough I think you know three or four don't don't change too much, but obviously add a little bit of championship quality to, to help you on your way. So that's the good news from League One. We also now know which teams will be playing their trade in League Two next term after Rochdale and Northampton joined Swindon and Bristol Rovers in having relegation confirmed. Northampton's 3-0 home defeat to Blackpool, the final nail in the cobbler's coffin. Um, Ross, I guess Managers Club, you're going to answer yes to this question, but my immediate thought was, should they not just have stuck with Keith Curl for a little bit longer, the man who got them promoted last season? I, I, I think the immediate answer is obviously going to be yes. They had a little bit of a kick, didn't they, and, 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 and picked up a couple of results. But I think it was always going to be very, very difficult for them. So, so my answer to the question would be yes. I think the flip side of looking at how it's, gone for Northampton is you you wonder if the question that needs to be asked is whether or not they got promotion too quickly last year you know I think they went into the playoffs and certainly from my perspective they would have been my fourth choice to to go up and I don't mean that in terms of who I didn't didn't want I mean in terms of looking at how they'd gone about the season what they were as a team what they would be capable of achieving were they to get promotion and I think you could argue potentially they might have even got promotion a bit too soon. So then Keith finds himself out of work because of circumstances sort of outside of his own. He's achieved something and, and, and then have almost not been ready to to maintain and sustain what they needed to do once they got promoted. So 
I would uh, certainly always argue on the side of the manager and say that that, that, that would be the case. Um, but at the same time, I think that to a degree they they might have might have been sort of bitten in the backside off off of off of getting promoted a little bit too quickly, really, if if that can actually be a thing. And and the other thing, Sam, that we mentioned at the time was that they got rid of a lot of the a lot of the key players who helped get them promotion over the summer. And, and we thought that was short-sighted and it looks as though that that's how it's turned out. Yeah. I'm not too up on the intricacies of the, the Northampton ownership and the budgets and such like, but what I can say is it's no fluke that Swindon and Northampton uh, have been relegated this season when they completely ripped up their squads. They couldn't compete uh, with some of the other clubs at the level and maybe even the level below in terms of wages moving forward. Ross is bang on. Um, you know, we didn't really fancy Northampton to go up, but they produced three amazing performances. And if they'd have kept the nucleus of that squad together, I've no qualms that they would have finished well away from relegation. Same with Swindon Town as well. Doyle, Yates, Keshi Anderson, Woolery. We wouldn't be talking about this scenario. You look at Crew and Plymouth, what they've been able to achieve with continuity, with the coach, with the style of play and with the with the players. Um, and, and that's it for me in a nutshell at, at Northampton it's been really odd um, but they've not been good enough at both ends you know you only had to look at the, the goals from the weekend the goalkeeper um, cost them a couple of goals and they've had no creativity and that, that's partly got to be down to losing Morton and um, Oliver and the like last season and, and not replacing them with like for like quality so be interesting to see what happens there in, in terms of the the managerial situation because I'm sure that was a gamble um, they'd have loved to have paid off unfortunately it's gone the wrong way sorry just on that as well just to just to add to that I think what was we played them pre-season and obviously with the way the whole thing panned out over the summer there hadn't been a huge amount of turnaround we played them I think it was third or fourth friendly which was obviously then two two maybe three weeks before the season started they still had trialists playing in the game that we had they were desperately crying out for a replacement for, for Oliver. So it, it meant that their circumstances, again, because of what they'd achieved right at the back end of it, they almost were ill-prepared going into it because of that success that they'd gained. So I think, um, like I say, and then all of a sudden a man loses his job or a number of people lose their job, depending on, on who they removed with Keith Curl. And the circumstances become really, really tough to try to, uh, try to stay up. So that's Northampton gone. And despite their reputation as the entertainers of League One, Rochdale also down after they lost 2-1 at home to Doncaster. A return to the league where they spent 36 consecutive seasons between 1974 and 2010. Kelly, we've been impressed with the manager this season. Um, unlike with Messenger users across the globe, should they should they stick with BBM? I think so. I think it's tough, isn't it? because it depends how much of a hangover there is. But I think we've seen it with other clubs. We've talked about Hull and the benefits of keeping a manager when you go down and kind of trying to build something. And some of the football they play has been impressive. And they've they had those big wins, didn't they? I think it was against Swindon, Accrington and Blackpool, I think it was. But then they failed to beat Crewe and Wimbledon. It kind of felt that was their undoing. Bar- Barry Murphy actually came out and said, I didn't ever feel like we were going to get relegated. I felt we had enough quality. And in other seasons, maybe they would have stayed up. But obviously, of course, other teams around them went on really good runs. So it feels weird to say it's not their fault they got relegated because the league table doesn't lie. It is their fault they got relegated. But I don't think it's all doom and gloom there. I'm sure the Rochdale fans won't be feeling that right now, though. I saw them a couple of times and maybe it was just the on the occasions I saw them, but they, they didn't pay too much attention 
to defend in, uh, yeah. if, that, if that's fair, if that's a thing in the modern game in elite football, but obviously scored, you know, an abundance of goals. It's a question for Ross, really, considering how possession-based they were and had a clear identity. Does there come a time in the season, if you're scrapping down the bottom, that you have to mix up and have to change? Or is the philosophy there for season after season and the manager will have the opportunity to do it again in League Two now that he's got a bit more experience? What do you reckon? It's probably the question you should ask the Orient Bold. Um, they're not speaking to me either mate to be fair I think um, what's really interesting is I I like I like Brian Barry Murphy great guy Um, always always a great person to talk to even when he was working with Keith so uh, you know I'm disappointed for him but I really do hope that that Rochdale understand you know the circumstances that he might be working in and the type of football that his teams try to go and play and they stick with him to give him an opportunity next year I think what's really important when it comes to that is I I believe in in English football that there is still this thing because of you know the age that that that, that we are Sam that you you've grown up for a period of football that it was the answer was always if it's not going right get it wide cross it put it in the box set pieces, blah, 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 being the answer. And I think we still have those tendencies in our game that that's the solution. But ultimately, Brian Barry Murphy would have signed the players that he signed to play the way and the style that he wanted them to play. Now, I suppose sometimes it can be classed as naive that if you go down playing a certain brand of football that you haven't looked at a plan B. But I think if your sole focus has really been to create chances to play the style of football that he's wanted to play, then your players would reflect that. And I know from personal experience, it was a question that was asked of me of why don't we just put it in a box more? Why don't we get the ball forward a lot, lot more? Well, we haven't actually got the players to, to, to go about it in that fashion. So sometimes sticking to plan A, plan B, but sticking to what you know and sticking to the style that you're going down, going along with, it gives you more of a chance to, to follow through. And I believe as well, you'd answer this better than, better than me Sam but as a player sometimes sticking to what you believe in showing uh, as a manager or a coach that you are you've got beliefs you've got a direction you've got a style that you want to want to follow I would assume sometimes that gives the players a bit of a reassurance that you know I really believe in this this is what we are this is what I brought you to this club to to do and achieve so we're going to stick to it so um, I totally understand why question marks would be asked, questions would be asked because ultimately you've got relegated. But in a similar fashion to, as you would know, Sam, to us when we got relegated at Swindon, you accumulate certain players. Players are brought into the club to play a certain way. So to change it sometimes is is quite a quite a drastic thing to do if you're going from from one extreme to another. I don't know yeah, if I've are. answered the question right there. But it's, it's a double edged <laughs> double edged sword as well, isn't it? Yeah. Because if you're a manager who's growing in the game and you have a clear idea about how you want to go about it it's a big thing for an owner or a chairman to say you've got to change you've got to change because you know ultimately that's that's who you are and that's what you're trying to build as a manager and why you got the job in the first place yeah yeah well we've enjoyed having them in league one they've scored more goals than 11 other teams in the division including playoff bound blackball problems been at the other end though 42 goals conceded at home alone in terms of defending they're what the french call les incompetents 
And that was a Home Alone joke. I thought I'd explain that as soon as the BBM one died on its ass. Uh, on Tuesday, Blackpool versus Doncaster. A point for Blackpool confirms a playoff place for them. And Charlton take on Lincoln. Chucks and EK's injury time equaliser at Accrington on Saturday means the Addicts still have a chance of making the playoffs. Uh, Abby, who've Paddy Power got as favourites to go up via the playoffs? Oh, to make the playoffs, to win the playoffs. I can give you specific odds on that. So Sunderland actually are the favourites. Nine to five to win the playoffs. Blackpool three to one. Lincoln three to one. And then obviously we don't know who that fourth spot is going to go to. But at the moment, Portsmouth are nine to two favourites to win the playoffs. But for that top six finish, I mean, Blackpool are all but there. So they're one to 200. Uh, Portsmouth, then the next favourites, two to seven. Oxford, 23 to 10. And Charlton, 20 to one. Thanks, Abby. We're off to League Two next. Do join us. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. League Two headlines: South End United have been relegated out of the EFL for the first time in more than a century. That, despite a two-one win away to fellow strugglers Barrow, Cambridge missed another chance to seal promotion in the most ridiculous game of the season: five-four defeat at Harrogate on Friday. Bolton failed to secure promotion after their 2-1 defeat against Exeter and Morecambe's 2-0 win at Walsall. Troubling scenes after the game too. Some supporters broke into the stadium and confronted members of the media. Elsewhere, league leaders Cheltenham lost 1-0 to playoff hopefuls Newport, meaning they miss out on claiming the title. And Salford dropped out of the playoff places after defeat at Colchester. A Friday night under the lights is where we start. Incredible match between Harrogate and Cambridge, which saw Harrogate 4-2 up after 32 minutes only to be brought back to 4-4 before finally Harrogate put the game and Cambridge's hopes of promotion to bed with a Kevin Loco winner. Kelly, my first thought for this game was I'm really glad I'm not reporting on it and thus having to try and explain what's going on. Yeah, it was um, a bit of a crazy game, wasn't it? Um, I don't really understand quite what's happened with Cambridge in the last couple of games. Is it the pressure that's got to them? Because I just thought they were going to cruise to the title. I've got a Cambridge supporting friend who texted me last Friday and was all confident. And when I say last Friday, I mean not this Friday when they lost, the Friday before. Um, the fact it's gone as long, on as long as it has is surprised. I think Mark Bonner said afterwards he was pretty surprised at how open it was. It was completely the opposite to the type of game that they should have been playing in and kind of should have kept it far tighter. When they got it back to four all, they looked a bit more in control. Before that, they'd just been counter-attacked too easy because they were seeing plenty of the ball. And then, of course, they were undone at the end with a set play. So, 
yeah, all in all, crazy game. Brilliant for the neutrals. I wasn't actually watching it. I kind of caught up afterwards. But one of those games, it's a brilliant advert for the division. Just maybe not great for Mark Bonner and all the Cambridge fans because now they could have gone up on Saturday, of course, but the results didn't go their way. For us as neutrals, particularly for me, League Two on Saturday is 3pm when we're on air on final score on BBC. And thank goodness there's loads to play for and let's hope for more of those games, although I need quite a big notepad. <laughs> yeah, Mark Bonner, fair play to him for honouring his booking at Quest as well. The next day, I'm, I'm sure they yeah. would have minded if he if he pulled out of that. Uh, Ross, they've got Grimsby at home next weekend. That That's the ideal game, isn't it? They're already relegated. They, they've had so many chances to confirm it. This is the perfect way to, to, to finish the season. Yeah, and I sound like the man on the side of the managers, don't I? But Mark and I have coached... Um, <laughs> coached against each other for a long, long time in Cambridge and Southend. And, um, so I've known him for, for, for a lot of years and uh, I'd be absolutely over the moon for him if, if he gets them up uh, and gets promotion. Because I think that the way they've, they've gone about the season, at the start they were like very unassuming, they were very organised, obviously had goals uh, in the team. But I think a lot of people, myself included to a degree, probably felt that it might run its course. And there was a couple of times where they had a couple of little blips and then got back up and, and, and running again. So I'll be delighted. I think you, if you, uh, like Kelly, a Cambridge United fan that I know come to me and said, oh, yeah, but Grimsby are down, the pressure will be off. Like, come on, let, let, let's, let's put it right. <laughs> if you're going to go somewhere and want to want to get promotion, it's going to gonna be against the team that are already relegated and, and got nothing to play for. So I'll be delighted if, um, if, they, if they go and get the points that they need and, and Mark takes them for promotion. Sam, did you ever play in a game whereby you didn't have anything to play for, but the other team needed a result to to stay up or or go up? And 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 how does that kind of affect you as as one of the oppo if you did? Uh, I'd fancy Cambridge strongly in in this situation. Uh, I remember being beat five at Millwall when I was on loan at Oldham, and they were going for the title. Um, yeah, I suppose the supporters probably played a big part uh, on that day. Having said that, uh, at Millwall, um, and, and it's difficult, that crescendo of noise, the extra spring in the step of the, the players when they're fighting for something. <laughs> you know, I would say Grimsby are maybe going to have that freedom, that pressure, which they may well do as well, because they'll be, they'll be playing for their, their futures. I'm sure Paul Hurst and Christian Doyd have been uh, quite, you know, strong on them in, in terms of what's gone wrong this season. So you never know, but... You know, a lot of the, the teams jostling up the top of League Two have got really handsome-looking fixtures this weekend. What I will say about that Harrogate game was they played against a side who had a, a final at Wembley. Is it today? I think. So you've got a number of fringe players that, have, that are getting an opportunity. And I've been there when you've not really been in the team and there's a showpiece game around the corner. And even if you do well and it means you get on the bench, that's a carrot. So... And one of the lads got a hat-trick, didn't he? So that that was a difficult game for Cambridge and they've obviously come a cropper. Uh, meanwhile, Forest Green beat Tranmere 2-1 to revive their playoff bid. It means that they go into the final day in the final playoff spot, albeit just a point ahead of Exeter and two ahead of Salford. Ross, you are the, the manager-defender. Um, we were a bit surprised when, when FGR made the change and and we can't really tell whether it's been a good idea or not until the end of the season. There's only one metric to prove it by, isn't there? Either they get promoted and it was the best decision they've ever made or they don't and they should have stuck with, uh, with the old gaffer. 
Sam might be cringing as I go to answer this because me and Mark Cooper haven't got the greatest of relationships, to be honest. <laughs> but at the same time, whatever my uh, personal feelings are towards anybody, the circumstances you have to look at, and I did think it was extremely harsh. I think the fact that any manager that finds himself with his team in the playoffs, it's very, very, di- very, very difficult to accept that it's the right thing to, to, to see. But at the same time, I think it sort of reflects Forest Green a little bit, the way they've, they've found themselves back in there again, uh, of how they've been sort of maybe since the back end of January, that the, you know, they had a real quite bad run and they put a few results back together again. Obviously, then, then, then Mark gets the sack and um, they've, they've, they've carried on a similar sort of pattern, haven't they, when one drop a couple. So um, they've picked up a really, really important win to have that place. I think if you're going into that last game of the season and you want to get into the playoffs, you'd rather be the one sitting there with it in your hands in that position than uh, than being the chasers. But I think some of the some of the circumstances and then some of the teams that find themselves in and around the playoffs at the moment pretty much just reflects League Two on uh, on the whole. That five four game, you know, it's been such a such a strange old season, and a, and a, and, a, and um, some of the teams of the way they've turned their seasons around, the Boltons, the Tranmere's, it, uh, it almost sort of reflects League Two as a whole, really, so far this season. And what about Bolton? Exeter, one of the teams chasing a playoff place, and they won away to Wanderers 2-1 on Saturday. We all thought that Bolton v Morecambe was the key one, but Bolton's win there has done little to close the gap between the two, which is at just a point ahead of the final weekend. But your old mob Exeter, Sam, they're making a late run at it, and they're still very much in contention. Yeah, I mean, it's almost the perfect game for Exeter. They... I think I've been bullied on certain occasions in League Two fixtures this season, but against Bolton team who like to have loads of the ball, play an expansive brand, Exeter can really hurt you, I think, especially with the pace in the side. Second half, Randall Williams was was excellent. Obviously, all the expectancy was on the home side, despite Exeter needing the win. And I thought the most, the alarming thing really was Bolton was still trying to go for the win, the the, the die in seconds. If you watch the winning Sweeney goal back, I think there's... N- eight or nine extra players attacking the box. And I think Bolton have got seven in there, kept two up the pitch at least to try and win that game in the, at the death. So yeah, maybe that in, in retrospect was where me and Ever, Ian Everett made a slight you know, tactical mistake, or maybe it was down to his players, but great result for Exeter. And they've got a bit of momentum building after looking like they were going to miss out on the playoffs. And Kelly, we've spoken a lot about pressure in this show. I mean, there really is an awful lot of it on Bolton and Ian Everett in particular now, given the budget, given the players they signed, given the form that they were in earlier in the season, you you would have expected them to have had this sewn up a long time ago. Yeah, that's kind of what's... Also, the one thing I wanted to say is about... We saw it in midweek, didn't we? At Peterborough, the fans went along and decided to let off fireworks when they were 2-0 up. We saw fireworks again at the University of Bolton Stadium prematurely. When will these fans learn? Wait until the end because nothing is ever over in football, particularly in the EFL, it seems. But yeah, quite a lot of pressure. I think Bolton travelled to Crawley on the final day. I think they'll get it done, but I wouldn't want to bet on that either at the moment because you can't bet on anything in this division. Um, So yeah, they should get it done. But if they don't, I agree with you. It will be interesting going into the playoffs and the pressure will start to mount and... We see it often, don't we, when the teams fall out of the automatic promotion places. At the end, they often struggle in the playoffs. So Bolton will certainly want to get this one done on the final day. Pressure also on Morecambe, Sam. 2-0 win at Walsall. They've never been in the in the third tier in their 100-year history. Some great stats in this game, I believe. 
Great stats. Mm. Um, <laughs> that, Morecambe had 26% possession. Walsall had no shots on target. Oh, there you go. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they haven't got an abundance of striking options, I think is is the kindest way to say it at Walsall. I think Lavery's got six goals since um, Adebayo left for, for Luton. That's been a massive problem for them. So no real big surprise in this game. But yeah, quite interesting, the, the, the lack of possession that... Um, that Morecambe have missing four big players as well. You know, a lot of this success has been down to Wildig. Mendes Gomez has been getting a lot of credit and obviously Mello was suspended after the red card uh, in that crunch game against Bolton. So this was another colossal victory. To be honest, I don't probably think there is much pressure on them. If it's to be the playoffs, so be it. It's been an unbelievable season. It's probably the story, one of the stories of the EFL, certainly. And again, a game they'd fancy to win. Bradford lost five in six. So, you know, you go into that, like all the top sides, on the on the face of it, any other season, you'd be confident to get in the results. But I'm, I'm sure Kelly's going to have good fun if she's covering the final day. <laughs> uh, Newport beat Cheltenham by a goal to nil. Denied Cheltenham the title. Ross, it means that Newport only need one more point at relegated South End next weekend to, to cement their playoff place. They're going to do that, aren't they? Yeah. Yes, they are. And I think they're going, they're fully deserved of it because they started the season incredibly well. Played great football. Um, I think Flinney would be the first person to tell you that they re- like sort of almost rebranded Newport the way they went about it. They had Scott Twine on, on loan from Swindon who had a fantastic first half of the season. Sheehan, for me, is the best midfield player in the league. And they were excellent. And then they had a... You know, poor run after Christmas which sort of then meant that they were hanging on a little bit to these playoff positions and, and find themselves needing that point but I do think that they'll that they'll go and get it and I think I think the big one of the big things for them going in towards into the playoffs is where they've been playing their home games in recent times because of that good style of football that they were playing in the first first part of the season once the pitch went the way that Newport's pitch goes it made it very, very difficult for them. But uh, I think I think they do go and get that point and, and they'll be a very, very, um, very, very strong team in the playoffs once once they come around. Now then, he's not here today, but Adrian Clark, former Southend player, did send us this message, re the shrimpers slipping the EFL net. We knew it was coming, but it was still gut-wrenching to see Southend United lose their Football League status for the very first time, you know, in over 100 years at the weekend. I don't really blame the players. I think that they, they showed spirit. They did their best, but ultimately the group that was put together just wasn't wasn't going to be good enough. Too many of the better players were allowed to leave and not enough quality was brought in. Um, look, it's been coming for a while. The club has been mismanaged. We've had players unpaid, you know, late wages. We've had winding up court orders, narrowly dodged through unpaid tax that was paid at the last minute. We've had stadium plans that have never, ever come close to materialising and and the fans deserve better. And it's them that I feel for because the last time they were in Roots Hall, they were watching League One football and now they'll return and they'll watch non-league football in the National League. I feel absolutely gutted for them. But Southend can come back stronger and they will come back stronger. I just hope that this is the opportunity for a reset at the very top of the club they get the right people on board. They can come again and they can can return to the EFL. This this club, in my opinion, belongs at least in the third tier. And one day they'll be back there. Bless him. Uh, Abby, it's all done at the bottom. What are Paddy Power saying odds-wise on the League 2 promotion picture? 
Yeah, to be promoted. Uh, I mean, Cambridge haven't got there yet, but they, they will get there, right? Uh, they're 1-80. to 80. Bolton are then the favourites from that pack that is anything could happen uh, next weekend. So they are the favourites 2-9. to nine. Uh, Morecambe also odds on 10-11 to 11 to get promoted. So in Paddy Power's eyes, Cambridge, Cheltenham, obviously already up. Bolton and Morecambe are the four that will be League One next year. But if you fancied someone from outside of there, Tramia 13-5, to five, Newport 3-1 to one, and Forest Green are 5-1. to one. You can find out these prices and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. All odds are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. That'll just about do it for us today. Sam, I hear that you're going to try and have a barbecue. It must be nicer weather where you are than it is where I am. But I respect you keeping the British bank holiday tradition alive. Safety in numbers, mate, because my, uh, my girlfriend's at work and I've got uh, my son today, so I'm just inviting a few friends around to, to perish in the garden, but look after my son while I have a few drinks. Uh, are we talking <laughs> properly marinated? You've made some decent salads or is it a long life bun and a supermarket burger? Uh, since I made the move to uh, suburbia, the one outstanding thing that I discovered very early on is we've got the best local butchers ever. So I just go in there and like basically just pick out loads of stuff i get him to tell me how i'm going to cook it how to marinate it come out louise says what temperature like what do we have to do i've just forgotten all of it because i'm just so intimidated by this geezer and his meat skills well congratulations on uh, reaching the upper middle classes and having your own butcher who you're taking advice from <laughs> lovely lovely stuff good isn't it uh, it's called yeah it's sean's in hampton there you go maybe i'll get some free snags <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Kelly, I'm going to try and sit my son down to watch a classic Disney film this afternoon because it's raining and I don't want to go outside. Uh, which should I try and use to persuade him to be still for more than five minutes? Can I just say how jealous I am that you've all got this bank holiday Monday off? I'm going back <laughs> to present another game, then going up the motorway to do West Brom versus Wolves. So yeah, no bank holiday fun for me. Um, so you've got a son. Mm, not um, is he into his Disney princesses? Uh, they haven't been imposed upon him, but he's the sort of character who would, would probably not be averse to a bit of Elsa. If I am going to be asked about a Disney film, I need a bit of warning from producer Abby because there's such a good such a good range. I would go, just go for a classic, something like Cinderella. That was right. my favourite. That shows how old I am, actually, because that was my <laughs> favourite. None of, none of these Princess Elsas when I was young. Yeah, I might go with Robin Hood just just to teach me a bit about his his local history. Um, Ross, I guess you'd normally be working bank holidays. Are you going to be doing some DIY around the home or something suitably bank holiday like this afternoon? <laughs> no, unless she wants the uh, shelves to fall down that she wants putting up very quickly again. No. Um, I'd say, well, what I would say is very jealous of the fact you are working, Kelly. <laughs> the fact that we've got a bank <laughs> holiday and it's another day that I've got nothing, no work on is um, frustrating. But uh, I won't be enjoying it the same way that Sam will. But rather than maybe the princesses, I think I might go down the line of watching the trophy final this afternoon. Yeah, that's probably better. Dreams will be made, fairy tales, etc. <laughs> and so on. Um, many thanks to Ross, to Kelly and to Sam for joining us today and to Abby for putting it all together. She'll be back with George and Ali for extra time on Thursday. Oh, thanks also to Ryan for being such a good sport about my uh, light-hearted joshing, which wasn't that light-hearted. Anyway, catch up with George, Ali and Abby on Thursday. We'll be back here next week. Until then, from all of us here, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com 
and by following at The Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of The Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on The Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.